0: So, we're continuing our series on who do you think you are from Ephesians. And the idea being that actually Ephesians helps us to think about what our true identity is. And we've seen over the last few weeks some of those things that um, Jesus uh, is, we are adopted into God's family with Jesus, our brother, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're given gifts of grace, that we've been forgiven, that we've been reconciled to God. And that actually we are called to be one people, not separated by um, whether we're male or female or by our race or our social class or any of those things. And within Paul's time, the big sort of separating thing was between Jews and Gentiles. And so um, Paul is writing to these different people in Asia Minor, urging them to be reconciled both with God but also in one another, and to recognise that they are one. And this particular passage that Brenda read to us from Ephesians 4, I think the word one is mentioned about seven or eight times. Um, So unity is an overriding theme in this particular chapter. And in fact, this chapter 4 is sort of like a a turning point in the book of Ephesians. Up till now, the first three chapters, it's been very much about uh, who we are in Christ. Uh, If you like, it's been been quite doctrinal about who Jesus is and who we are in relation to what Jesus has done. And in this second half of Ephesians, starting at chapter 4, uh, where Paul's beginning to help us to think about how we actually live out our Christian lives. In light of our now, our true identity as being in Christ, as being adopted children in his family, how do we then live out in the light of that? So we see in verse 1 that Paul sums up what our response should be, how we should live out our identity. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. A life worthy of the calling you have received. Well, what's the calling? Well, first of all, we see that our calling in verse 2 is to be completely humble and gentle, to be patient, bearing with one another in love. So that's part of our calling. If you remember, Ephesians has been called the gospel of the church. And it's really Paul setting out his manifesto for the church. How should this new family of Jesus, this new society, this new community, what should it be like? What should be the characteristics of this new family? What should be the characteristics of us as individuals, but also for us as a body, as a church? And so we're told here to be humble and gentle, to be patient, bearing with one another in love. And particularly as we approach this time of change and transition, um, this is really good advice, isn't it? To bear with one another in love, Um, to be patient with one another, not not to grumble. Uh, especially uh, for, to those who are in leadership because they're going to be carrying uh, some slight extra weight during this period of transition. So I'd really urge you to be patient, to be gentle, to bear with one another in love. And then we come to the pivotal theme of this passage, which is unity, oneness. Uh, we see in verse uh, three, and, 3 to 6, there is one body and one spirit Just as you were called to hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And we're called, aren't we, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This literally means to guard the unity. It's very precious. The unity that we have here, and we do have real unity at St. Stephen's. It's a real joy to see that, actually. The unity between our different congregations, between different types of people. And actually, that's something really precious, and we need to guard that. We need to guard against little um, grumbles or differences sort of coming between us. That's not to say we, don't, we sweep them under the carpet. We shouldn't do that. We need to acknowledge them and talk about them. But we do that in a healthy way, knowing that our ultimate purpose is to be one. And actually, we do this not just for ourselves, but we do this for the world that we serve, don't we? Because actually, our, our unity, our oneness, our love for one another, is what actually others see. Those who don't yet know the Lord, those who maybe are cynical about the church, maybe those who have been hurt about the church, when they hurt by the church, when they see the love that we have for one another, it can go a long way to bringing healing and restoration for those people who have have, have, uh, gone away from God uh, or who haven't yet known him. So unity is really important. And then, a bit later on in this passage, and I'm going to focus a little bit more on this, is that we are given these gifts of grace. Jesus, the risen and ascended Jesus, has given us these gifts of grace we see in verse 11 it was he that's Jesus who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers and so these are five gifts of grace or ministries that um, that Jesus gives to his church and we see that each member each of us has a distinctive contribution to make and that the whole body can only function effectively If each of us plays our part. And again, I think St. Stephen's is a great example of many people playing their part. Doing the things that God has called them to do. And we see that um, in verse 12, we're told why these gifts are given. To prepare God's people for works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up. So each of us has a particular work of service to do. And the purpose is so that we, as the body of Christ, might be built up. Or the translations say, to equip God's people. Um, and so that's what we're called to do, is to um, receive these gifts from Jesus. And that we might be equipped by them um, to serve the church and to serve one another. And then we're also seeing, see, of course, that this is so that the body of Christ might be built up. So there's, in summary, our goals as a church and as individuals. If we could have the next slide and the next one. These, these things are, if you like, signs of growth or signs of maturity as we seek to grow deeper in our relationship with God, with one another, and with those who are not yet part of this church, those who are part of this community that we serve. We're called to build up the body of Christ. We're called to strive for unity, to guard unity. And then we're also told that we should increase in our knowledge of Jesus to become mature. We see this later on in the passage. We'll look at that in a moment. And then also to attain the whole measure of the fullness of God. These things are evidence of growth. They're what we should be aspiring to as a church here at St. Stephen's. So we see here that um, we're each given a role in the church, that we're given these different gifts. And um, there are particular things we need to know about these gifts. If we could have the next slide. So these five gifts of grace, these different areas of ministry, are given to the church and they're given for everyone, for each person. So it's not like they're optional extras. And if you like these, these particular ministries that Jesus is talking about, if you like a sort of umbrella ministries... There are certain other gifts that might fall within these uh, particular areas of ministry. So, for instance, if you have have a ministry of teaching, you might also, within that, use gifts of faith or gifts of knowledge or other of the spiritual gifts that uh, Paul talks about in Corinthians and Romans and uh, in Peter as well. So these are, if you like, sort of umbrella ministries. And I think all of us, depending on our personality and our gifting and our character... Uh, we broadly fall into one or two of these different areas of ministry. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. If we could go back, Roger, I haven't finished yet. Bill, I mean. (laughs) Is it possible to go back? Don't worry. Um, So they're for everyone. Um, We've each been given um, them in different measure. They've been apportioned to us. They are gifts of grace. Um, And then... We all share in the ministry of Jesus, that's what's amazing, that actually we all get to play. <laughs> we all get to be part of God's ministry here on earth. You know, we've heard it so many times, haven't we, that we are Jesus' hands and feet. But it's, that's, if just stop and think about that for a moment, isn't that amazing? That God isn't sort of sitting on some cloud somewhere directing human sort of think, situations from above. I mean, he does do that to an extent. He's a sovereign God. But actually, he uses us to carry out his purposes in this world. He uses us to be his hands and feet. He uses us to be part of this message of recreation, this message of reconciliation that we thought about a few weeks ago. His purpose is to um, bring the world. God so loved the whole world that he sent his only son to bring the whole world back into Uh, relationship with God to its true place and it starts with us recognising our true identity in Christ and then seeking to live out that true identity in the way that we live and then each of us have a different emphasis as I say each of us might find when I read I'm going to go through each of these areas of ministry and give a little description of each of them and it might be that you recognise something of yourself in them And take notice of that if you do. It's a bit like these areas of ministry are are, um, God combining our natural gifts with his supernatural gifts. It's almost like he turbocharges those particular areas of our life um, that we are gifted in and experienced in. And he uses them for his glory and for building up the church. So shall we have a look at them? Okay, you can can carry on now, Bill. So, first of all, we have the apostles. Now, obviously, there are, the apostles are one particular group of people that we read about in the New Testament. But there are also people, apostles, with a small a, that operate today. So they were apostles with a big A. They, they cannot be repeated. Um, but there are apostles who function in the church today. And they tend to be quite entrepreneurial. They tend to be quite adventurous and risk-taking Um they're the people who um, basically often end up planting churches and then maybe they they move on and plant something else because they get a bit bored because they haven't got the gifts to actually sustain the ministry. So when um, Paul talks about, you know, um, Paul planted, planted Apollos watered and God made it grow, you know, Paul was good at planting stuff but he kept going and planting lots of new stuff and he relied on other people to sustain and grow the churches that he had planted so there are people like that still who are more apostolic in their ministry and it might be that you you know within a work situation might be quite entrepreneurial and might be quite um within your family or whatever and that's a god-given thing as well but the question is is this bringing glory to god is it building the kingdom the way that you're using these apostolic gifts and then um And then in another sense, of course, we are all apostles because we are all sent. Apostle simply means one who is sent. So we're all sent, aren't we, into the world to be witnesses to God, to Jesus and what he has done for us. Um, And then secondly, we have prophets. And this is someone who speaks and hears on God's God's behalf, moved by the Holy Spirit to speak, to foretell and foretell, having power to instruct, to comfort, encourage, rebuke, convict, and stimulate their hearers, um, so it 's not just about about predicting the future that 's the sort of common way in which we think of prophecy. Prophecy is much more speaking god 's heart and god 's word into a situation and to be honest, prophets can sometimes make us quite uncomfortable because they're the ones who say, "I know everyone thinks this, but I think it might be this they 're the ones who sometimes are the grit in the oyster, and they actually and they tend to be people who can be quite um they like being on their own, they like spending long periods of prayer, time in prayer um, and they can sometimes feel come across as a bit maverick, even a bit weird, dare I say think of someone like John the Baptist. he would have been quite a strange bloke, um, but we need people like that, so <laughs> I'm not going to say if you 're weird you're a prophet because um there might be, there might be other reasons that you're weird um, but um <laughs> But again, think about whether this is something that resonates with you. And then the evangelist. Well, this is someone who brings good news. Um, often it's misunderstood. You know, we often, you know, we celebrated the life of Billy Graham last week. And he was a particular type of evangelist with a particular type of gift. He spoke in front of hundreds and thousands of people. I think they estimated it was several billion or million people he spoke to over his lifetime. But actually... We're, Evangelists generally are not, though, that's a very unique sort of ministry, isn't it? Possibly never to be repeated, who knows? Um, but actually there are people who just find it much easier to be with people outside of the church. They actually much prefer hanging out with non-Christians than with Christians. They get a bit fed up with Christians, actually. Um, and actually that's, that's not always a bad thing, because we need people who are comfortable in the world, who are comfortable in the culture, And who can speak something of God's truth uh, to that culture. They naturally relate to people who are not yet Christians. And find themselves having conversations all the time. um, Whether it be at the bus stop or wherever it might be. Um, And sometimes these people, we need to release them. Not to be doing so much church stuff. Because they need to be out there um, relating to people who are not yet Christians. And then we have the pastor. One who shepherds God's people. Those who are called to care and watch over others, uh, encouraging, helping, equipping, uh, uh, and challenging, of course, if necessary. And these are people who tend to find it easier to spend time with Christians um, and are called to the church. And I would definitely identify myself in this camp, that I actually love the church. Uh, I love each of you. I love being the, the vicar here, and it's going to be a big wrench not to be, but actually God has called me to be pastor to other pastors and to call me to challenge and equip other pastors and other churches. Um, and the, you know, the, if you think about the Near Eastern shepherd, their job was to watch enemies attack, trying to attack the sheep, to defend the sheep from attackers, to heal the wounded and the sick sheep, to find and save them, to find the lost and trapped sheep. And this, at the heart, is at the heart of what the pastor seeks to do, and in, you know that's what I've sought to do here. And I haven't always got it right. I know that, but it has been my heart to be the one that cares for you, that teaches you, that um, challenges you when necessary. Sometimes binding up the wounds that we've uh, inflict, that we've had inflicted upon us, or the losses that we've experienced. And then interestingly, did you know that in World War Two? The shepherd was the name given to a pilot who guided another pilot whose um, plane had been damaged. And so they would fly alongside the other plane to guide them back to home. That's another way of thinking about the shepherd. Then, of course, we have the teacher. Those who are able to teach and to explain and to infuse people and uh, inspire people. And again, many people use this within the teaching profession. And in fact, I trained to be a teacher Because I think I'd slightly missed what my teaching vocation was. It wasn't quite to be a teacher in school. It was to teach in a different way. Um, And if you think about your best teachers at school, remember you probably just thought someone straight away who really inspired you, who really encouraged you. That's what the best teachers do, isn't it? So we've done a little whistle-stop tour of those gifts. But just as we come to an end... um, I have, I have three challenges for us as a church that I feel arise out of this passage. They're up there. So, we haven't talked much about Christian maturity, which is actually a big emphasis within this passage, that actually we are called, called to grow up into Him. And you've heard me say this a lot of times that actually we are called to grow up. We're called not to be spiritual infants being fed by others. Living off other people's spirituality, not living off our own relationship with Jesus. So that would, I would continue to encourage you to, to work out how it, what it means to grow up as individuals, but as a church. And then secondly, to continue to work for unity. We are so blessed to be in a, a community of Hazelmere where there is real unity amongst the different church pastors and church leaders. That is a real gift. And as I said, there is also unity within this church amongst the congregations. And that's, again, something to be celebrated and something to guard, something to work towards. And then thirdly, to continue to seek to discern the gifts that God has given you. One of the things that has given me such joy in being your vicar is seeing many of you grow into different ministries to exercise your gifts in all sorts of different ways. Some of those are very behind the scenes. And some of those are up front or um, in p- obvious ways within the church. But I know that all of you have in different ways sought to seek God and to use the gifts he has given you. And I'd really encourage you to continue to do that. And then as you think about your new minister, what are the particular uh, areas of ministry that God is really calling St. Stephen's to, to flourish in? Um, that's something that we need to continue to think about. So just to end, if we could have the next slide, we're going to use this prayer um, from the Leading Your Church into Growth um, movement that the diocese is encouraging us to, um, to use. And so let's pray this prayer together. Let's say it all together. God of mission, who alone brings growth to your church, send your Holy Spirit to give vision to our planning Wisdom to our actions and power to our witness. helps St. Stephen's to grow in numbers, in spiritual commitment to you and in service to our local community through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.